Jeez, tell them how you really feel. Quickie on the 50, chips it in. Oh, Zachy Lawrence has it 10 metres out directly in front. Oh, he gets a hairball over his head, and now they approach the 50 going into Gibby's foot. Magic's got him! Magic's got him! Yeah, 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 yeah. This podcast is already off the rails. G'day, Ozzy. How are you, mate? Thanks, Sal. I'm very well. Can you see me all right? Yeah, I can see you. Can you see me? Can you hear me? Yeah, mate. Yep, yep. That's good. Give me a sec. I'll smooth this over. You haven't started yet, have you? No, I haven't started anything yet, mate. We're not live. i am just uh, started recording, but I can always edit this part out. Oh, all right. I was trying to set this up a bit better. Yeah, you're so right. You can see me better. Are you at the clubhouse right now, or...? Say again? Are you at the clubhouse right now? Or are you... No, I'm at home. You're at home? Yeah. Is that your garage, is it? I like how it's blue. Yeah, mate, I, um, blue's my favourite colour. Obviously, Carlton. <laughs> so I, um, painted my garage, turned it into a gym. I hope, you had a, I hope you had a lot more success in the garage than they have. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. I grew up watching them, uh, I grew up watching them play a lot of finals and grand finals, so I've seen them win some flags. Yeah, I was lucky enough to start to comprehend what footy was when I saw the Crows win there too. Yeah. Actually, video of me with a bowl cut <laughs> dancing around the the lounge room in Adelaide when Dad was, uh, he had the family around for a barbecue watching the first Crows grand final, and then we went over to Stevie A, he's a good family friend of ours, and actually made a banner and ran through the banner for some weird fucking well, reason. At home. At home, we ran through a homemade banner. We didn't care. Nice. Like, he did it for the kids. It was good. Um, yeah, that's good. It's created memories. You still, you still remember it. It's, it's no, that, that's exactly it, man. It was really good fun. Um, and then obviously yeah. we went back to back and then we fell off the map for a few years. But no, it was good. Yeah, I think you surprised if those, the Crows then surprised everybody winning those. For, no, I didn't expect before the Saints would have knocked them off and I thought North would have knocked them off. It was Saints in the North, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Beauty thing yeah. about both those grand finals was um, we were down at half time both times. Yeah, I know. It was good. I remember, go- I remember going for the Melbourne teams. Of course like, you fucking bloody, did. Uh, but that was impressive. They were good. Are you admitting Modra, to... Modra missed out on both of them, didn't he? Yeah, because he, he blew his um, ACL out in both prelims, funnily yeah. enough. Against That's the Bulldogs like both years. But um, are you are you uh, admitting to Victorian bias, Clinton Bateman? Uh, back then, yeah. Obviously, I grew up watching a lot of State of Origin. Um, I was always, you know, always supporting the Big V and hating on the Crow Crow Eaters. But being Carlton, we had a lot of South Australian footy players like Kernahan, Bradley. Um, there was another player years ago. Um, Get his name. He had a car crash. Mop, mop, maybe. Forget. But um, no, nah, yeah. So, but it's just that rivalry, I guess. Same as Queensland, New South Wales rugby league. Um, but over the years, it's you know you more generally just go for 
players like, you know, can't stand Collingwood, so when they play GWS, you know, you'll go for GWS. But, yeah. Yeah. Do you believe it's... um? it's fair to change your hatred for uh, teams throughout the years? Like, you go through peaks and troughs? Like, right now, I don't really hate Collingwood that much. Oh, I'll always hate them. It never necessary. Never, nothing will ever, ever change for me to, to like... And when I, when I, when I watch... When, it, when Collingwood and Essendon are up on telly and I've got nothing on, I'll watch it. Um, I'll just... I'll favour Essendon just. Or I'll, I'll hope for a draw, but... Them two clubs are the only ones. Like Richmond, I grew up hating them. Richard, I grew up hating Hawthorne because they were always good in the finals against us. But um, I actually like watching them play. Even though Richmond play a kind of ugly style of footy, it's still pretty exciting. Um, obviously, it's effective. Geelong are good. But, yeah, it all depends, I guess. Like what happens in, throughout the year. If there's a coach or a player or, or something that happens at, at a club where it just turns you off, you're like, oh, you know, what a pack of flogs. It's like anywhere, amateur footy as well. Yeah, that's but, um, it. Yeah. Make yourself. Uh, right now, um, like I said, I don't really hate Collingwood as much. I'm really excited when I watch like someone like Jordan Degoe play. Pendlebury's always good to watch. Um, so when players actually start to sway your opinions on size, I think actually footy becomes a bit more enjoyable. But I'm going to take a few years yet to still get over that fucking 2017 grand final. I'm going to hate Richmond for a good decade, I reckon. Until they actually start, yeah. <laughs> still they go back to the bottom eight. That was brutal. Was that the game where they done the power stance? That yeah, the whole final series they did, and yeah, I'm, I haven't lived that down. Like I've got mates, yeah, of, I've got mates of Victoria. Day it came up. Yeah. yeah, I got mates of Victoria when we did um, from when we did our stint there. Like that constantly give me shit. I went down um, early 2018 for a thirtieth, and um, yeah, I got told. Everyone was relying on you boys to beat Richmond because the fucking Richmond supporters here are just... They're fucking assholes. We can't fucking stand them. And they were all up and about. And they're just... Oh, you just can't deal with them. So it's just like... Yeah. The Crows really let Victoria down that day. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> they did. They did, but it was it was good for footy, I reckon. It was good to see... Not good for my footy. Coming from Melbourne, like... I wasn't down there, but just seeing all the images and how... Full on it was with the 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 roll and effect of the of the win, you know, like for the for the for the town and for the city. Good for footy. No, well the crows. Not on, for you. Not yeah, for not for us. Sports. No, the crows went and did this <laughs> bullshit camp, and they were playing the Richmond song, and I uh, just fucked with their head, and they've missed the finals the last two years, and now they're apparently they're um, training down at the Barossa Valley at a winery, and they're. Ignoring to the AFL, ignoring the AFL rules, even though they're adhering to the South Australian rules, the AFL's like, yeah, nah, you can't do that. Yeah, so, and I can understand why you've got to have it so it's even, equal. You know, do you know? they have a salary cap, they do everything else, which puts them on an even platform. All right, so all right. So, a Victorian team should actually go outside of Victoria more than ten times a year. No. Yeah, so fuck you. Argument. Exactly. This is, the argument. And this is probably going to be a Victorian bias as well, even though I've lived up here for like 20 something years. But the VFL, they all wanted to come to the VFL. Adelaide teams, Western Australian teams, they all wanted to come play in the VFL, come play in the big league. And even though those leagues they were playing in are pretty big, but they wanted to have their presence in the VFL and they formed the AFL. So if it had been. You know, I don't know. It's just the way it is. 
did those teams, what are those teams supposed to do? You've got teams like Footscray or Western Bulldogs now, the Kangaroos. All those teams have been in Melbourne for like 100 years or whatever. What are they supposed to do? I'll meet you halfway. You're supposed to have a conference, split it into a conference? Or... No, no, fuck conferences. It doesn't work with the AFLW. And you saw that this year when Frio were undefeated. I'm Frio, that yeah, Frio were undefeated, and they should have been at least given the premiership, or at least had the opportunity to play one last game against the, the Kangaroos, who were the other top side of the other conference. That should have been the only game, especially with fears of this COVID nineteen stopping the competition. Frio were undefeated. North Melbourne were the top side in the other conference. Yet they played a full weekend of finals. Fantastic for the girls. Don't get me wrong, but if they had legit fears about this competition only going one extra week, they should have had a premier and. Frio deserved it. I'll meet you halfway with the uh, Victorian bias thing. Each non-Victorian side should have to go outside of the state more often, and each non-Victorian side. I'm not going to stay. In, I'm not going to say interstate because I think in the term interstate is subjective. Because we're in Queensland, there's 16 interstate sides. You know what I mean? So I think. Every non-Victorian side should at least play three or more games at the MCG. Because it should be played at the MCG, the grand final. I'm not part of the argument where, say, even though I'm in the Crows camp, they finished top in 2017, oh, they qualified well, for the final first, it should be played at Adelaide Oval. No, that's bullshit. Keep I, think that... I think it's going to be at the MCG for the next 30-something years anyway. It's already locked in. So... Exactly. exactly. So it's like, well, yeah. there's no point arguing against it. They're contracted to it. It's, it's tradition, fair enough. It's the biggest ground. Until something else gets built, it's, nothing's going to change. So, give give every non-Victorian side an opportunity to get familiarised with the G so you can take that argument completely off the table. If they're going to play in Victoria, unless they're playing someone like the Bulldogs, the Saints, or whoever else is one of the Etihad Stadium clubs, they should be playing at the G. Maybe they need to have... Maybe Paddy Dangerfield's right. Maybe they need shorter games and they need a longer season where they can play everybody twice. So that way... You know what I mean? I'm a fan, I'm a fan of that. I think that, should be, that he should be playing each other twice. I'm a fan of having two divisions. And I know the country's large and the travel you're, financial strain will be big. You're big on your soccer, though, so... No, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, all that aside, I, I just think that the competition's too big and too uneven. And I'm a Carlton supporter. If that was the case, we'd be relegated. And I'd be okay with that. Mm. There should be a competition that's a higher level, 12 teams, and then in, in another competition with 10 teams. You know, you bring Darwin and Tassie into that, and then you have a promotion, or you get two teams promoted every year, two teams relegated. Well, if that and happens... It, just, it evens up the, pla- the, the, the playing field, and you've got the better players and the better, the better standard of football in the higher division, then you've got a second-tier division where teams are... Still pretty good, and it's still in a national. Uh, it is a national comp kind of, just a lower division. Well, you look at last year, like Marlon Pickett, he played in the VFL Grand Final and then Richmond yeah. the Grand Final. What would happen if, say, the VFL side got put up, and obviously Richmond are going to stay up? Would your reserves play your seniors? There's the problem with that. No, no, no. no. So you still have your um, your state league competition. But Richard would still have his team in their reserve grade playing in their state comp like every other club has. But you would have clubs, senior football. You could bring Darwin into it. You could bring Tassie into it. You know, it'll, and well, that would give us 20 teams. And you'd have maybe start off with 10 and 10. Well, would that make it harder for clubs who, or like, 
who don't have an established AFL club as like a like say you got Hawthorne with Box Hill, like and they're always poaching teams from other VFL sides or players from other VFL sides. Would it make it harder for those teams to actually develop and actually be able to rival the big clubs, the big franchises? I don't know. You still have salary cap and everything, so. I don't know. That's just the way I, I think it, it's, it'll it'll have to head if they're going to. They're talking already about bringing a Tassie team in and a Darwin team in over the next five, ten years. So, Should have already happened. Huh? Well, yeah, they've got, they're talking of North going to Tassie. I think it is, but just so they can survive. But who knows? Like, yeah, it's an argument that you could go on about it for hours and hours, and everyone's got different opinions and and stuff. But I think for the good of the game, I think it's it's. The competition is too packed and you've got... The talent is just spread too wide. You need, you need to condense it so you've got better teams, better players playing in the one division. More exciting to watch. There won't be as many blowouts. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's my opinion. Uh, you're absolutely right. And you're not wrong, mate. You could go on for hours and hours about that. But let's let's get into what everybody wants to hear when it comes to the Ipswich Eagles. What's the talk, mate? When's footy back? Oh, what's the talk? Here we go. Um, well, nothing's really changed. We've um, communication with AFLQ is, you know, as you can imagine, they'd be getting smashed with all the different amounts of football clubs and, and, and all the stuff they're doing with uh, with their uh, with the AFL in the, in the um, nation, nationwide. So, just really been um, giving them a bit of a break until they contact me with more details. Which I've just said, look, if there's any change, please let us know. But 31st of May, we'll be um, looking at making an announcement on what we'll be looking like for the season. That's what we've been told. So that, that could change. I know there's a national cabinet meeting happening this week. I've got it on in the background right now, mate. I'm trying. I'm not listening to it because I've got you. Yeah. I've got it on mute. But um... hopefully that'll get finalised today, and they will release, um, you know, to all the sporting organisations, AFL, soccer. And so on. I think they've got a um, three or four step program going in, and it says step two will see a return to community sport. So we'd actually have to look up the date on when that's actually going to come into effect. Yeah, uh, if you think the AFL at the national level are looking at playing early June, I can't see us playing before them. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it'll probably be, they'll use that as like, you know, uh, a test to see what, what, what how things work out. Um, and look, there will obviously be restrictions. I think they'll restrict how many people can come to a game and so on. So it's all just unknown. But AFLQ and AFL are adamant that at community level, uh, some form of football will be played. So, which is you know reassuring. Australia's pretty lucky in terms of how this virus is being contained, and we're as a as a as a nation, everyone's kind of like following the government's lead and adhering to the restrictions so it's flattened the curve and it's not spreading as much here so everyone does keep doing the right thing and um, helps you know um, limits the spread of this thing it's going to increase our chances of playing sooner rather than later so look I'm very confident we're going to play um, I'm, and obviously I still play so I'm, I'm keen as um, and yeah I'm just really worried that we might lose players to the lack of what's going on, and it's quite easy to fall into a, into a little rut where you go, okay, I'm comfortable just chilling out and not doing anything. And but um, yeah, we've all we've all probably experienced experienced some level of that. But 
look at it. I think deep down in the day, once once we all when we all get to a training session and it's we know what's happening, I think it'll um, it'll spark a lot more uh, you know um, desire to get back out and. I'm looking forward to it. It's just the unknown waiting game. So to your question, mate, look, there's nothing has been released. We're still we're still looking at that May 31st, which is obviously you know three and a half weeks away or so. So yep. it's um, until then, yeah, we just carry on and wait. Yeah, so obviously you said that the correspondence with the AFL Queensland has been off and on. Has the council, like the Ipswich uh, City Council, relayed any concerns or positives regarding the return to community sport? No, not really. They've just made sure... They're in the same boat as us. They can't charge us and, and any other club to use their facilities and their fields if they're not being used. So um, they would want this to go ahead. You know, They'll be looking for this to go ahead um, as soon as possible as well. So and the council have all been pretty good with us. And uh, um, as far as I'm aware, that they are keen as as well. So... Yeah, they're all for it, mate. Like, I guess what most cancers would be, they've got to be careful. Everyone's got, everyone's liable, um, but especially with the AFL. So that's the biggest thing that will be, you know, that in their decision is liability, um, and the council as well, but probably not so much. But yeah, no, they're they're all keen. They're keeping the field. They're doing some great work, you know, maintaining the field for us. The, the ground's looking probably the best. The middle's had a bit of work to it. Um, the cricketers and that have got in there and, and done a little bit of work to the to the middle area to try and make it to flatten it a little bit. But around the ground, it's it's lush. It's looking fantastic. Um, I went down the other day and had a bit of a run around on it. Um, and yeah, it's looking probably the best it has in a long time. Are the posts so, up? Posts are up. So if you you can get down there with a partner, uh, you know. If you, Get out there with one of the boys and uh, have a kick. Um, by all means, go and have a few shots, do some laps. As long as it's not in a big group, I think it's still only allowed to be with one other person. But um, get out there and do it, yeah. Yeah, well, Maddie Whitlock and Tyler Hall both said they want to have a kick with me, especially after I put my post up the other week. I don't know how much you listened to last week's podcast, but yeah. No, no. I did listen to that the other week um, with, with Huss and Tyler, yeah. Yeah, no, it was really good, really good talking to those boys. And uh, I've actually got yeah. some questions from Huss. Um, that I've paraphrased a little bit, which will be good to relay to you a little bit later on in the podcast. But um, how are other clubs faring during the crisis? Do you know? Um, I've heard. Uh, look, I won't go into detail. What because it's a lot of it is rumours and stuff like that. But I, I do talk. Being a president, you do you are privy to talk to uh, be able to talk to other club presidents and and so on. So there's a couple of clubs that are hurting um, just from. I guess uh, having sponsors lined up, big sponsors, and when this thing hit, they hadn't been paid, and then the sponsors have pulled out. So we've been very fortunate and lucky to pick up CSI, the three-year deal before this whole COVID-19 kicked off, and um, we've still got a pretty good... Look, it's all going well, and uh, we're going to be there to support those guys as soon as our doors open. We know that our club will be scrambling to do as much with them as, as possible to help get people in their doors because um, they've been, you know, awesome to take us on. Um, but other clubs, yeah, like it's, it's worrying because you just don't know how this is going to impact and, and affect them where they are financially, if they're going to be able to survive um, and if people are going to come back and play, if the clubs are, who are you know, paying 
personnel at their club, whether it be you know administrators or, or, or players, if they've paid them way out already, or you just don't know. But there is rumours that some clubs may fill the pinch, but I'm sure AFL will rally, and you know I wouldn't want to see anybody fall from this, and they'll do their best to to, to help them out. But um, yeah, I, I don't think anyone is benefit from this at all, um, particularly when you rely on bar sales and your canteen sales for your home games and we we've already think we've missed two or three home games um plus your junior games you know so then you know <laughs> yeah so we just got to wait and see how it all unfolds and then what the cost is going to be from afl queensland that's still going to be determined um so yeah look, we'll be okay um, we just recently had that good raffle, which which everyone got behind and rallied and done a lot better than what I thought we would. And I'm very very proud of everyone in the club, from the men, women, and juniors, um, and their family and friends who supported it. Like we raised just over three grand profit. Um, normally we only make about eight hundred bucks on that raffle, but to make three, I think three thousand two hundred bucks was just outstanding and really blew my mind. And yeah, super proud of everyone's effort. Um, it's a lot of hard work goes into it. <laughs> little thing like that um money that you know we are generating we need because we're not making and we've got a lot of uh, we're gonna have a uniform shop open tomorrow for a few hours with playing gear and hoodies and stuff and we've got probably about a thousand dollars worth of orders in already for that so yeah that's just you know amazing to support that everyone's able to support um so we'll be okay other clubs can't really speak much but i have been hearing rumors that some of them are going to yeah, feel the pinch a bit, but yeah, hopefully they don't fold. Uh, that's good. You we, need, we need it. We know you, you, know, you love to have your rivalry against clubs. You go, oh yeah, that, that mob out there, you know, rah rah rah. But without them, you're not going to have football. Are you? There's, so, there's no comp without your rivals, mate. And it's always good correct. for it's good for healthy competition. And you know? it pushes us yeah. to be better better than them. So say like, obviously our biggest rivals, no secret, Maruka, like. If they get a win on us, you want to be better so you can beat them the next time. And they're probably thinking the exact same thing when we give them a thumping, you know? Like, we want to beat them next time. And they they did almost last year. Like, we beat them by 80 points the first time, then we only beat them by a goal. And hats off to yeah, them, they improved. Improving, they're improving out of sight on and off the field. And, um, look, like you said, they're probably at the moment our biggest rival. And we've played against them every year for, I think, 19 years that I've been at the club. I don't think there's been a year where we haven't played against them. And, uh, yeah, we've got our Anzac game against them every year, which is disappointing we didn't have that this year. Maybe we can work something out. If we play them this year, we can have some kind of game theme, Anzac theme game. But, yeah, yeah, hopefully no one folds and, and everyone gets through this. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, are you proud of the um, output of the boys? Like, obviously you can see it on the footy page that everyone's putting in the hard yards. Like, the same contributors every day is like your Ockies, your Fats, um so Witty did a big run just not long ago, but obviously everybody are putting up their um, results and their workouts. Are you proud of the boys for keeping fit? Oh, 100%. 100%. It's, um, it's inspiring as well. Like, you know, you, you know, you, you sometimes think about, oh, I might go and get off my ass and go and do something myself, and then you look around and you see some bloke who's just post, done a 5K run or something, and you, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up and do it. And you got... And I like that. The girls are doing the same. The, the, the women's got their own private group as well, and they are killing it. They are probably, I reckon they got it over the boys with, with uh, effort, with what I'm seeing in their groups, um, when I'm getting back from the leaders, leadership group and the women. Um, I think, I don't know the boys are working hard, but I think the girls are working just as hard, uh, if, if not harder. But I think 
you know, it's it's all in our hands. I mean, like I said to her, I put a, a question out there a while ago when we played Park Ridge, and I watched the senior game, and obviously played in the reserve grade game, and just put that question out to every player was, it was uh, were you ready? Were you were you happy with your prep? With your, with your when you took on round one, were you satisfied that you done everything you could prior to the round one through the preseason to be where you were? Did you run in a game and then think, man, I'm not fit enough? Because I know I did. I know I ran in the resis and um, played. I think I played 100 percent of the game. I didn't come off, um, but it was probably halfway through the second quarter. I, I was running and I was thinking I needed to do more work. To, for this, I wasn't. I'm not ready. And I think people who go around saying, "Oh, they were 90 percent or 100 percent ready," I mean, that's that's a big call. If you're 100 percent ready to play round one, you are in great nick. Or 90 percent, you are in tip top nick, and you should be standing out, gaining three or two votes in a game. Like, um, you know, I think most people were at best 70, 75 percent from what I saw. Uh, a lot of walking, a lot of juggling. No, sorry, not juggling. Jog- jogging. Um, and this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity now. You've got this. We've had six weeks, I think it's been, or five weeks since round one, um, and we don't know how much longer we've got. We might have another five weeks for another game, or ten weeks. It's, it's in your hands now. What you do daily, fitness-wise, nutrition-wise, getting out there with your skills, um, is all in your hands. And how you get out there and you perform on the next game is all on you. Because this is on this, we're not. We can't do this collectively as a team. It's an individual thing now, where players have got to understand that. Just think, if I want to have an effective impact and uh, you know represent my club proud, I've got to be accountable for everything I do in this in this um, uh, restricted period. So proud, I'm proud. But look, I'd love to have seen probably, you know. I just know that the boys could have done a bit more. Right. Um, not everyone, but I just felt with the on paper we should have knocked them off. But I, I just think we just weren't one hundred percent ready, um, fitness wise, and that may seem harsh. But I, mate, I'm not here to you know to soften things off or whatever. I tell you what I see, and I don't tell Kipper the same. He'll tell you. You know, he's over the years, he's, he's heard some things from me that he probably didn't like, but he probably respects me for saying it. Like, yeah, I think the boys just need to really understand the, the team we have and the window that we have at right now is not going to be there forever. So we've already lost two grand finals and a prelim. How long are we going to be able to stay up at that end and, and you know, have our opportunity when we had it three times? This is it, you know. The next couple of years, two or three years... It's all on each individual to, to lift 20%, 10 or 15, 20%, and then the whole team does. And that's what we needed to do. That's all we're lacking is that 10 or 15, 20% um, to better ourselves. And it's the thing, you can't keep relying on the same people. Um, like you said before. Absolutely, mate. Like, I don't know, you said you've listened to my last couple of podcasts, and I've actually been right on about the culture the last couple of, um, couple of weeks. And um, it was a big thing. I even had a big chat with you the other week. It's like, well, where's where's the culture? Like, like obviously we do have a culture, but where's the culture compared to off the field to on the field? And I think that's the big difference about our success. Like you said, we're in that window. We've had two grand finals. We've lost a prelim in the last three years. We've been right up there. How do we get that little extra step? And is it, 
is what what do you think is attributing to us not being able to take that extra step? Um, look, you're right. We've got a good culture. It's a different culture than what it was, say, 15 years ago, um, where it was the culture was great, it was strong, and the boys. Not that saying that they don't like each other or they're not mates. That the connection with, with the majority of the senior group, and which spread out through the club, um, down to the reserve grade as well, was very strong. And and I guess it's hard to say because it was a different world back then. It was a different world before social media, before we lived the times that we live in now. So the generations have changed. So it's not the same. It's very hard to compare what it was like back then to what it is now because it's totally different. The guys. When we were at that age, early 20s, mid 20s, um, most of us back then. You look at these guys now, it, it, you know, it's just a different, it's a different um, breed. You know, it's nothing bad about it. It's just a different generation. So back then, you know, we used to hang out a lot more, and even though I didn't really hang out as much, but a lot of the guys they hang out, hung out a lot, went out together, went around each other's homes, you know, parties, barbecues, a lot closer, a lot tighter. And when you form that bond all the time off the field, when you step out on the field, on the training, or especially on a game, you work harder for one another. You, you know someone needs, you need to push hard to put a shepherd on, or someone's, you know, it's just a totally different thing. And when someone does something amazing, you just love it as much as they do. And you, and you, you just, if you're on the back line, you get up there and you scream and you yell and you create some excitement and buzz. And we don't have that, because I just don't think... You know, we have that that bond with everyone. That I mean, passion, right? Of, that passion to work for each other. I keep, yeah, yeah, I, the passion is there, don't get me wrong, but it's not where it could be. Yes. And the answer is, how do we how do we get the boys, like even when I heard your podcast the other week, you know, and I was at that game where Joel kicked two big goals. Big goals, especially the second one. It was from and, the boundary, mate. Yeah, and I think you were the only one that went over there to him. Where that happened ten years ago, twelve years ago, you would have the, the whole field would have erupted. The, everyone on the field would have erupted and got around. Mate, the Paulies, the LKs, the Luggies, the it, Checkers, it, everybody would have, the would best have just hair he's ever had because he looks like he loves his hairdos. Everyone just would have ran over to him, mate, and that would have like oh, that would have put that would have put Parkridge on their ass, mate. And I'm telling you that, I'm telling you that, like, in hundred percent. So I think. It's just the way that it, I think it is. Or maybe it's, it's, it's just the team has that, we have high expectations. And that's just expected, that, that kind of effort. Um, it's senior footy, you know, you like to see guys go back and be able to, to do that. But I, but I just think you're right, there needs to be a bit more passion, a bit more love, a bit more fire. Um, I'm not saying it's not, because numbers of training have been fantastic. Kim are doing a great job. But... Yeah, it's just that I think it's just unknown, mate, because it's, it's it's foreign. But it's been our problem for probably the last three years. And you're right, like when we beat Carrara in the prelim in 2017, the the excitement and the and the buzz from that um, was amazing. That's, you know, prob- that's probably the most excited I've seen this club. It was it was it was it was it was amazing. But I think since then we haven't really seen a lot of of that atmosphere, that fantastic atmosphere, which is. You know, it's, I think we could have sit down and have discussions, open discussions with the playing group, leadership group, 
um, and figure out what we can do to, to better that because we even see teams that are the lower lower spectrum of the, of, of the ladder, like, you know, uh, who do celebrate small things, goals, tackles in, in games and there's something that's probably, that's probably our, if anything, something that we lack in. Um, but I wouldn't say our culture is bad. It could get better. Um, but, yeah, we're on the right path. We're just probably slowed down a bit of, and, and we just need to pick it up and get to where we should be. Do you agree that culture comes from the top? And um, if so, how can our leaders actually start to actually get people who maybe don't feel like uh, that they have as much of a voice around the club to actually get involved and actually breed that culture that we're trying to strive to? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think from the top, from myself down, I think we have... You know, working with Kimbo and Rexy and Fatty and, 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 and the like, the culture is different from where you think it was in 2016. Um, the club was, mate, the club was struggling. 2016, we were getting 12 blokes of training. Oh, I remember. We were, we were, the last four or five, six games, we were doubling up up to 10 blokes. I think what the, the last game we doubled up 12 or 13 blokes. I was one of them. Yeah, and... By the end of the season, you know, I looked at the list um, when I was thinking about becoming the president, when I knew Andrew, when Jaime was going to step down. I looked at the list and we had about, I think, 39, 30, 37 or 38 blokes left um, on the list. A few of those guys, question marks, um, you know, and we were just in a spot where we were thinking, where are we going from here? We are going down. Joe DeVore the wooden spoon yeah. um, in both grades. And just thought, wow, look, what do we do? And then I think, well, I won't get I'll cut it short, but I think from where we've come from then, um, in decisions we've made and, and things that we're doing, we're on a healthier spot, obviously, with the men, but also the women and the juniors. But, yeah, there's a lot of work to do from our end, but I think we've given a bit of freedom for these guys to go, and I remember having a team meeting saying, okay, we'll throw it to you guys, what do you want for your values and all this kind of stuff, and it was a bit disappointing that the feedback we got wasn't significant and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, what I was expecting, but so we've uh, taken it upon ourselves uh, in the off-season, I've been talking to you know, our, our footy ops manager, uh, uh, Tyler, we um, with Kimbo, and we're coming up with a few things we're going to release over the next few weeks, um, which will probably help with the culture. And just, um, yeah, but I think it's tough for everyone at this level when we, when we, you know, I'll be the first to admit I've made mistakes over, this is my fourth year doing this and I've made, I'm, I'm pretty confident I've made a few good decisions and I'm proud of those, I'm like, but um, I guess there's a few other things I could have done better to avoid or I've learned from, you know, I, um, a few decisions I've seen people may have not been happy with whether they've stayed or left the club or whatever, but, you know, you learn from that. And um, try, try not to make the same mistakes again, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and our culture's great, but it could be better. I, I really think it could be, because I've seen what it used to be like as a player. You know, you have blokes like LK, who was just an inspirational bloke on and off the field, very tough, very demanding, very high expectations, um, and he led the way, and then everyone just follows. And then, you know, folks like like him, like him, Kanga, you know, 
there's a lot of there's a lot of places to rattle off, but yeah, we we've got to get it back to what it is because we've got a fantastic senior list, an awesome bunch of resi's lads, an amazing group of women whose culture is probably a bit different than the men. Uh, the men are. I was actually going to I was actually going to ask you because obviously they won the premiership last year and they are our only premiership side in history and they've obviously got a great culture, a great list, great bunch of girls. What can the senior men and the reserves men learn from the women because obviously they're doing everything right at the moment. Well, I don't know because the women last year was a uh, it was different to the, to what it is now. There's probably 11 I think there's 12 girls from that premiership side who have left, we've retired, moved away, joined another club. But, do you, but do, you, do you agree that if people leave, the culture of the club should not change? Like the culture of the club should oh, be bred into the people coming probably, in? Probably sway a little bit here and there because um, everyone, new players will bring different elements to the club. I think it's going to, I think the culture in the women's team this year is going to be a lot better That's good. than what it was last year. Um, um, but yeah, it's not too different. I just think there's a bit more love for one another there, uh, and that they're, they're a bit more social with one another. Uh, like the boys will get the training. Some of them, a lot of guys will rock up late or whatever and get started again. But when the boys get the training, they'll just grab a footy most of the time and go for a kick. Where these girls, I want them to do that. But the girls will get there and then they'll chat and they'll catch up and they'll get to know, you know. And they've got that kind of. I think there's a bit different there. They a bit more. Um, one-on-one kind of um, social thing. Um, it's a bit more personal. Yeah, and I think that's probably just all. All I think is lacking with our with our boys is just that. It's just um, and they have the little groups so they go and hang out together and do stuff. But I think it's just got to be a bit more around, a bit more off the field. That's that's all I think has got to happen. It's not nothing drastic. It's just a bit more um, try to be more camaraderie and bonding, and that's about it. And then it comes down to leadership or events managers or someone to come up with things to how can we what can we do to um, you know get these boys closer together so are you expect what sort of format are you expecting um, us to be in once AFL Queensland announces that we can actually go back to training and potentially play a full season or a half season or what are you expecting the format to be so, so what do you mean format like, well are we play, are we playing just once are we, oh, yeah, in training as well, but are we just playing each other once and then going into a short and final series? Yeah, are we playing yeah. a spring carnival? What are we doing? Yeah, I'm aware that they've got a few contingency plans in place. Obviously, the, the first, best case scenario is that they'll want it to start early June, which I'll be very surprised, but if they did that, it'll probably be, you know, realistically, probably be about 12, 13, 14 games yeah, if we're lucky. But... Uh, worst case scenario is a spring cup, which I think I already told the players. But it, it's um, look to it and probably look to start in August, September, and finish Novemberish, and it'll probably be about a ten game, eight to ten game um, tournament. Might play each other once, um, and with a small final series to play for the spring cup. So it won't be the traditional season we're looking for, but it, it'll at least be something, um, and, and you know to have some kind of. Um, reward at the end of it to play for um, and that may be totally different you might be playing totally different clubs you know you might be playing uh, it, might, it may not be division one division two rah, rah, rah. it might be just teams just putting players might want to have the year off you know what I mean like, so um, it may it may be just an A grade B grade C grade D grade same as like touch football if that makes if, if that makes sense that kind of format um, 
But either way, at least it'll be X Lab will be able to operate, um, and uh, yeah, we'll get some, we'll get everyone out on the field. And in, in between that, who knows, mate? I mean, you just don't know. Uh, that's what I mean. We, we won't know more until after what's on happening now with this national cabinet going on, and and once they release their restriction, you know downgrades to the to the organizations then it's up to them i guess to come up with some plan and they'll probably have to present it back to the government to get approval and then it will come back to us so this could take what's happening today could you know at least take three or four more weeks before we know exactly where we're sitting and what we're looking for but yeah like i said it's hard to answer that question at the at the at the at the worst it'll be a spring cup but yeah, they're adamant that we're going to get on the field, so that's the positive stuff. Yeah, obviously I keep pushing for answers, mate, and we're all trying to find the answers, and we appreciate that you're trying to just answer them the best you can, which is at the best. Um, moving forward, um, obviously our club's got a bit of a reputation for being uh, hard on the field, hard and fair. Um, obviously we've got a, we're building the culture. Obviously we both agree that it could be a little bit better. Um what do you want the outside perception of our club to be moving forward? Because obviously we're trying to build our club to bigger and better things for this year and beyond, um, especially with this COVID-19 situation going on. We obviously want to still be able to be a big force in years to come. We're still there in that premiership window. I'm probably asking a lot of questions in one right now. But, yeah, so what no, are you... You're right, yeah. Um, how can we, moving forward, still keep that perception of... Um, that we're a good club and that we want people coming to play for us and we're still a force to be reckoned with. And how do you want our outside perception of the club going forward? Uh, this may sound like, I don't know, a bit arrogant or whatever, but to be quite honest, I, I don't really focus or I don't really care too much on what outsiders think of us. The only people from the outside that I, that I am concerned with uh, how they perceive us is the league, AFLQ, and our sponsors. And I guess they're the community, but I don't worry or waste my time on other clubs. I don't care what they think of us. I don't care. If, it's hard. It's, 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 I shouldn't really be saying it. I used, before I became the president, I used to have probably 10 clubs that I followed on social media. I don't follow any more club. I don't follow any club except for us. Um, I don't get sidetracked on what they're doing or what they think of us because my job is to worry about what we're doing here and to make sure that everything is, I guess, I keep it, I keep, I worry about my own home, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying, what the question is, I know. And Would a better way to answer that be you don't care what other clubs are doing, you care what our community is doing? Say again? Would, you, would a better way to answer that question be you don't care what other clubs are doing, but you do care about how our community in the Western Spring, uh, Ipswich area portrays us? Because obviously that's where we get most of our players from. And our oh, yeah, 100%. Families. I mean, because I realise, I understand that we, we're, very, we're very lucky. We're, we're not like, you know, a, a team like Cooper, Kenmore, Jindalee, you know, all these teams out there, they're suburbs. They represent a suburb. We're out here in Ipswich... In a massive city, in a real, a humongous area, and we are, you know, we know we've got another club down the road, a couple of clubs down, smaller clubs down the road, but we are the the biggest club out in Ipswich, and we represent AFL. So, I just focus on our club and for our game, for our code, 
because we've got a lot of work to do for our code to grow in Ipswich. I know Springfield's coming up and they're going to have the, uh, the Lions are coming out there in the next couple of years with the women's team and the, and the boys will be training there. So it's going to, it's going to really boost us because they're only 20 minutes down the road. So our code is still very, very small when you compare it to rugby league who have got their own competition. When you think about it, you've got Goodner, Brothers, Swifts, you know, North, Sipswich. They've all got A grade, B grade, C grade, hundreds of juniors, women's teams, under at Colts. We're competing with that. We're competing with soccer, which is just surrounded by soccer. We've got a, we've got a hockey association five-minute drive from our club, which is you go past there on a Saturday morning and it is just packed with kids playing soccer. And, uh, sorry, hockey. So I'll focus on that more so than anything. I, I do understand what, how clubs probably think about us. and uh, We've been a pretty consistent club in finals. We had a bit of a, a, a lull there where we, 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 we dropped out for a little bit, but we've always been thereabouts and always been very competitive and we've always been hard uh, most of the time. Um, so I know our reputation is probably pretty good there and people don't like coming to Limestone Park to play footy. I know that. Um, they probably like it now they've got pretty good change rooms, but for once. Yeah, but, for um, but when they come out to our big field and they go, oh, God, you know, I hate playing here. But... Um, yeah, I try not to focus too much on them, mate, but I'm just more concerned about us and with the crew that we've got on the committee with Benny Thompson, who was just growing this juniors from six kids in 2015 to I think this year we would have reached about 150. That's just massive. That's a massive, massive growth from there and then that's just going to get bigger. Exactly. These kids all stick around. Exactly. You know, my, my nephew's down, he loves it. He's, yeah. He keeps asking me, he's like, Uncle Chig, when you come around for a kick, I don't want to lose my skills. It's like, mate, Oz Kick will be back soon, mate, don't you worry. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, it's just that. And then look at the women's team. We you know we've got, they won the flag last year, then we lost 12 players. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, we're going to have a team. And then we've picked up almost 20 players this year. We picked up two last week, you know, who were keen to come and play, who moved up from down south. So, um, they're growing. We could have two women's teams next year. Well, that'd be fantastic, mate. That would be absolutely fantastic. And But that's why it's important to put in the culture that we want because obviously everyone's going to have their opinions, but we want to have that welcoming culture. So when they come here, they want to adapt to what the culture oh, yeah. we've I, I got. Think that, I think that's right. A lot of people who have come and joined us this year, whether it be the, the boys or, or the girls and the juniors, everyone's just said they've loved it. Like, they felt welcome. Um, so that's not the problem. Oh, I don't think it's, it's a problem either. So, but... It's more so where we go from there. How do we, with what, what we have, the guy, the, the, the groups, the players we have, how do we get them passionate for the club when they play? When they, that's probably the only thing. Yeah. Training numbers are okay. Probably be a little bit better. I think every coach would want, to have, want more and more players at training. And you could, you'd always want more and more players there. But I think on game day, just, you know, when there's a goal kicked, especially a big goal or there's a big tackle, or there's something. That's... It's just for, yeah. That, that's my biggest hang-up at the moment. That's that's pretty yeah. much it, man. Like, someone like um, one of the young kids. You see, uh, Justice, before he uh, did his shoulder, he was weaving in and out, and he kicked a forward, I'm pretty sure, set up a goal. That's a get-around-him moment. That's what the segment's yeah. all about, get around him. We should be seeing it on the field, not just on the podcast. Like, just yeah, stuff like that. Um, Curtis. Curtis kicked his first goal against Park Ridge. 
I was I was glad that I was running water because I got around him. I'm like, that's fucking fantastic, mate. Yeah. But again, first goal on footy, he was excited. Three or four blokes max got around him, yeah. and they were really like, oh yeah, good job. That's it. But you know what? And uh, nothing disrespect to to Curtis. And I think it's not a, it's not a good reason, but not a lot of the, not a lot of the guys know it because a lot of that Reggie's team is new. Um, not a lot of the guys know it because he's hardly been in training. They hardly, you know, they haven't had seen each other. They don't have any kind of rapport other than seeing each other at training every now and then. They don't probably know each other's names. So that's the thing that that's what I'm talking about is to know one another. Um, and I think pre-season's a perfect time to do that kind of stuff. You know, we could have probably done some things off outside of football on the weekends, going hiking, whatever. Go to the, we, we went to the beach a fair bit, but it was always the same people. Um, I think there's got to be a bit more. Yeah, we've, got, we've already touched on it. You better say it comes back. It comes back to the same theme, mate. Passion. Have the passion to get down to training. Have the passion to get around your mates, and then have the passion to reward the blokes and acknowledge them when they've actually done something well. And something right, and just for being there, and that's that's pretty much it. And it's got to show on the field as well as off. I think. Yeah, that's... yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and look, I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, and I'm very, very keen and eager to see how after they've heard all this kind of stuff on the podcast, and they everyone everyone's aware of it. I think, you know, I think when there is a goal kicked, the first goal kicked in each game, I, I reckon there is going to be. We're going to see a big difference. I've been talking to a few guys about this, and I know you have, and I know other people have been talking about it. You know, and I think once people accept it and think, "Hey, hang on, that's that's an area we need to improve in," maybe that's it. Maybe that's all we need to improve on. It's just going to take us to the next level. Excitement, you know? even if it's yeah, fake excitement yeah. to start off with, like it bleeds into real excitement, and it just yeah. becomes habit. And it will generally build everybody up. It gets the crowd involved, it gets the atmosphere yeah. involved, and will actually create. A big atmosphere. We're, we've got the nest. We we pride ourselves on not losing at the nest. If we create that massive atmosphere, the crowd sees it, the club's involved, the team's up and about. Everyone just get excited. They get really passionate, and it creates a worse environment for the opposition team, and it makes it harder for them, and it brings us home the four points. It's just yeah, little things. It's just little things. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, I'll, I'll always, you know, if there's a goal kicked, but if there is something that happened to the lead up of that goal like a player just put on a tackle or backed into a pack and spoiled and the ball came loose which got it to us and we ended up kicking a goal down the field I'll always run to that like player and uh, acknowledge their effort because you know that everyone sees that and then it just makes them feel like yeah, that's, like, that's your goal mm. you know so you don't always yeah there's a lot of things we can, we can do but um, yeah we'll get there mate we'll get there I'm confident we will in the famous words of LK, who donated his voice to my segments, get around him. Get around him. 100%. 100%. Get around him, yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. Get around him. That's what, that should be, that should be, yeah, the, the, code, the, the call every time there's a goal or, or a sacrificial act, whether it's backing into a pack, sprinting 40 metres to put on a shepherd or a smother, get around him, you know. Like, oh, I, I love it. We should get some hats, T-shirts made up. I'm starting a campaign right now. Instead of um, Drive for Glory or whatever Kimbo's trying to put the slogan as for the Ipswich footy page, get around him. Get around him. Get I around like him. it. Get around <laughs> him. Aussie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to the president of the Ipswich Eagles Club, mate. Thank you very much for your time. I think we've all learned enough, and I think we've all got a bit to go uh, bit to go on now going forward for the club, and I think uh, we're all pretty keen to get back into it next month, hopefully. All right, mate. I just want to give you a, a shout-out. 
thanks for doing this stuff, mate. Like, especially when this, uh, you know, we're all, we're all stuck at home and stuff. This is good. I'll sit down and listen to them. I, even, I was even before all this stuff, but uh, keep them going, mate. Keep them, keep up these podcasts. It was only just one a week or something. Um, and a shout out just to, you know, everyone at the club that's helped out, not just this year, but the last four years since I've been doing this. Like, I came into this unknown, no experience, and I've had just a, a heap of people who have backed me and um, we've, we've turned this club around together as a as a group, you know, as people like Fatty, um, Kimbo, Benny Thompson, um, Vanessa, who's no longer with us, Anne, um, Rexy, Jamie, Brett, you know, yourself. Like, there is just, I've probably left out a heap of people, but I just want to thank everybody for making my job easier and, um, and, and yeah, for all the work we've done to, to get our club to where it is. And we've got a long way to go, but um, we'll get through this and we'll, we'll, um, we'll come out of this hopefully very, very soon with some, uh, with some more success. Well, the beautiful thing is, mate, this one's probably been the podcast with the least amount of swearing, so we can actually probably put it up to the Ipswich Eagles page. <laughs> Good <laughs> with you, mate. All right. I try to behave. I try to behave, but you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> All right. All right, mate. Um, Appreciate it. One last thing. Yep. Nominate someone for next week. Nominate someone for next week? Oh, jeez. Put me on the spot here. And if they don't listen... Who haven't, who haven't you done? I don't know. There's uh, a lot of people I haven't done. But if they haven't done it and they don't listen to my podcast, that's a fine. Go straight to the footy trip. All right. What about Rexy? Haven't Give done Rexy? Rexy? He said he hey. would be on too. I haven't done Rexy and he said he would be on. Give Rexy a go, mate. See how, see how he goes. All right, we'll, we'll team up. Next week, Rexy, you're on, mate. <laughs> All right, thanks, Aussie. Great job no, today, mate. mate. Take care. Talk soon. See ya. See you, mate. Bye.